Kia ora koutou and welcome to Tahuhu Korero, a podcast and blog that shares the history work of students and staff at the University of Auckland and the aim of improving the accessibility and inclusivity of the study of history. Kia ora koutou and welcome back to the podcast. As you can probably tell by the title, this is part two in our interview with Professor Janet Davis from the University of Texas at Austin. Thank you so much for joining us, and if you have no idea what this is about, go and check out part one if you want a bit of context for who Janet is. Here, we're just going to be talking about basically what she's done in the realm of public history and how she's had different opportunities and what that has done for her career. So thank you once again for joining us, and if you have any questions, if you have anything specifically that you would like to know further about, please don't hesitate to let us know. into the public history side because you mentioned a couple of things in, in your talk just then but where did you enter this why did you enter the scene like why public history why not sticking with the academic side yeah. of it well my entry into public history is something that in some respects was by accident and I think just based on the kind of research I do mm. I was always fortunate to have people contact me right and that's how it started right. and so as is true with most things in life, when you do one thing and then people see it, yeah, then that snowballs into yeah. other opportunities. And so that's really the short answer yeah. how I became involved, but it's been fantastic. And I really, I loved interacting mm-hmm. with, with wider publics. I think that it helps me become a better teacher, but also a better researcher because mm-hmm. You have to use language that is accessible. Yeah. Yeah. It cannot be solely specialist language. Yeah. And in that sense, I had really good teachers. The people I worked with in graduate school, they would not stand for work that was unintelligible to a broader, wider audience. Mm. They just wouldn't. And I remember at one point writing a fellowship proposal, and Linda Gordon was so kind to read it. And I was talking to her on the phone because at this point I was living up in the north woods of Wisconsin. (laughs) And so I think I'd sent it to her by mail. This is in a kind of, you know, emergent internet age. And she was great. She said, okay, I really like this, but you got to stop using so much avant-garde language in (laughs) in this proposal. You've just got to. And I've kept that, her voice in my head, you know, throughout my career because she's someone who writes for the public, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, she writes for historians, but all of her books are very much books that people outside of the academy will read. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, that's a huge, huge role modeling Mm -hmm. activity that's going on there because I think she's... You know, she's just been such a great example of how to do it really well. Mm. Yeah. See, I feel like I have the opposite problem where I write, I feel like I write for the public. And that side of writing, so much, it comes to me so much easier 
them writing I remember in our honors year because Katie yeah. and I did honors together uh-huh. I was so many of my essays we'd be writing on the same topic and I'm like yeah I got this and it ends up becoming more of a narrative and then I'm reading Katie's work and it's oh. like completely different but mm. amazing and I used to sit there and be like oh my gosh it's so much better and it sounds sounds so much more formal mm-hmm. whereas mine was always more the the creative side and even <laughs> now at the moment I'm writing scholarship applications yeah. and I got my husband to read through one of them this morning and he was like, it's like a narrative. Like this isn't a a scholarship application where you're talking about who you are and what you've accomplished. It's this narrative of your life. I'm like, oh dear. I think that's what history is though, right? It's like a story. It's a narrative. I think you've got to be able to draw people in. Yeah. And you want people to be engaged. I mean, you want people to understand what you're talking about. I think there's not much. I mean, there is a point still, but I feel like, I don't know. I think the the point, the wider point, should be getting people to understand the history of where exactly. they live. Exactly. You know. Exactly. An argument without a story is not mm. all that fun to read. Mm. Yeah. Know? So I think it's it's really important that you know that we think about ourselves as storytellers. Yeah. I mean, making a so what kind of larger point in the stories we tell, but at the same time. They are the way that we make sense of our experiences. Mm-hmm. On that note, yeah. have you found over your time writing public history yeah. or doing public history, yeah. depending on what medium it is, have you found any specific benefits and or challenges mm-hmm. that have come along with this? Because obviously it's very different in in some aspects to academic writing. But then you said you started earlier, so maybe it's easier or... I would say, so the benefits of doing public history are incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like I've had such great experiences in working with people in different Mm -hmm. forms of storytelling. So working as an advisor for people making films, um, working as an advisor for people doing exhibitions, writing in newspapers, you know, all of these venues challenge the way I think. And I appreciate it because, again, it's, you know, how do you communicate with people and how can you express ideas about historical significance in a way that people can hold on to them? And I find that to be really both meaningful and empowering as a historian, but also I see it as, you know, kind of part of my larger mission because... Education to me is one of the ways we make our world better. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. understanding and civility and dialogue, that's what it's all about. And so that's kind of in the meta sense um, what I feel is important. And I love being at all these different amazing places yeah. of creativity. I mean, from you know, helping a museum and then you know, meeting with people and brainstorming sessions and then there it is, this Actually fabulous, <laughs> fabulous exhibition that yeah. incorporates, tells stories. The same with film, the same with exhibition spaces. So that's been the just the joy of it. One thing that I really, I was part of, the Smithsonian did this Folklife Festival, and they do one every year, but this was the 50th anniversary one, and it was on the surface. And it was so much fun. So when the person organizing 
it asked me to be part of it back in, I think it was around 2014 or so, so it was, and then the actual event occurred in 2017. It was just amazing. We were all staying in the same hotel, so I was there along with performers, oh, youth right. troops, you name it. I mean, clowns, whole families of circus performers, wow. and we all did our respective thing in tents on the National Mall. Oh my gosh. So much fun, and it was such a great point of exchange, both yeah. with people who came to listen and ask questions and interact with us, but also among these different forms of storytelling. Mm. So that was just fabulous. So on the kind of downside, I would say the only downside, really, because it's all great as far as I'm concerned. I love yeah. it. But on the only thing I would say is that universities tend to not <laughs> recognize this yeah. kind of work yeah. as being, they like it, they think it's great, but the ways in which we advance, the ways in which we are judged mm -hmm. as scholars is really outside the realm of what we do as public intellectuals. Yeah. Even though it's the work that allows one to do that kind of yeah. work with the public. So yeah. to me, I think the two are inseparable. I think they're absolutely part and parcel to the same thing, the mm. same mission, and should be considered as such. But the world of academic administration hasn't fully picked up yeah. on that. And I think that's a shame because ultimately, this is at the heart of garnering public understanding and mm. support for the wider mission of education. Mm. That's what it's dependent upon, is people seeing that, yeah, this is useful and important. And what better way to do that than to be out among people and working and making this rich history accessible to people. Mm. I think that's one of the maybe quite difficult things about being a historian based in a university these days, right? Yeah, is that you've got the is. demands of being an academic, mm -hmm. you know, researching, producing books and articles that you're, you know, your yeah. tenure yeah. is assessed upon, yes. but also you're teaching and you're split between those and then you add public history as an element. Mm. So you're just pulled in, in all different directions, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's absolutely you've said it quite well. That's that's exactly the the challenge. Mm. Well, I even know that because I'm on the Postgraduate Students Association yeah. here. I'm on the exec for it. And we were just talking the other day about how there's been talk around the university of, of revising the promotion process from going from lecturer to senior lecturer to yeah. associate professor to professor and how so many people aren't mm -hmm. being promoted or uh, progressing specifically for that reason. It's because they're being pulled in so many different areas and even at the same time as doing public work. So whether it's history or whether it's science or whatever mm -hmm. it is that these people are writing blog posts or presenting at public places, but yeah. they're not being recognized for it even though the time's going into it. Yes. And is there, I guess there's this question of, well, do we include that? But then how do you include it? Because it's not peer reviewed and yeah. that whole discussion around this work that is so beneficial and increasing the education of 
the public and making it accessible and getting people excited mm-hmm. because it's it is through this public format I guess that people do become interested in history or do become interested in science because they're seeing it mm-hmm. yeah. but then and the arts yeah. are so underfunded that we need yeah. the support of people <laughs> right you yeah know? Exactly. we need to get them engaged because if yeah. they can appreciate the value of it then yeah. they'll be Less yeah. likely to be like, oh, that's fine. Just cut the arts funding, you know. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think that's I think that's the challenge, and to recognize that what people do in this realm has incredible value yeah. to universities. Yeah, I I am completely in agreement on that because that side of the kind of promotions metric mm. <laughs> you know, is one that is rendered invisible yeah. in ways that it really should not. I mean, I really think that maybe, you know, I don't want to sound too dramatic, but <laughs> institutions ignore it at their own peril. Mm. You know, that training people who are narrowly defined specialists, speaking only to other specialists, Yeah. That's when the larger kind of mission of education and advancement of knowledge can be really invisibilized, Mm. if you will, you know, because it's a narrowly defined group of people who are speaking to each other. Well, I guess it could even, you could class stage ones almost as public people that you're educating Mm. because they don't understand the academic student. I feel like the way mm-hmm. we do history in high school, I guess mm-hmm. just speaking to history, the way we do history in high school is so much more along the public, the, mm. the way that we approach the public and the way we mm-hmm. speak mm-hmm. to the public. And then you get to stage yeah. one and all of a sudden you've got to read these articles that you can't understand or you've got to learn all this terminology. <laughs> yeah. Like all the Latin terminology is still getting to me. I'm still having to define things. But it's, it's this whole new way of thinking that yeah. stage one is almost like, I guess, yeah. speaking to the public, I mm-hmm. guess, and, and educating them into this mm. system. Yeah. 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 So you've worked in movies and documentaries and museums and in the university. Is there any specific place of work where you find the most enjoyment? I guess focus specifically on the public side of it. Is there um, something that's the most fulfilling, or is it just all really cool? <laughs> well, I will say it's all really cool. <laughs> I, but... One thing that was especially meaningful, mm. I think, was, I, I will say that festival on the mall. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was such a surprise at how meaningful that was, yeah. just in so many different ways. But I guess it speaks to what I love about like directly engaging with people. Yeah. Um, and one of the places that the film, the circus in being involved in every really every stage of that production was really exciting and I learned a lot but after the film was completed I was part of a group of people who went on tour and we got to what we did was we showed portions of the film and then we would have discussion afterwards that was so much fun I loved it I mean our first let's see the first place we went was Baraboo, Wisconsin. So this is a big circus center. Mm. That was great. It was so fun to have all of these circus performers mm. and circus, you know, people who were involved in circus out in the audience. Mm. A blast. And then the next 
place we went was Beverly Hills at the Television Critics Association press tour. That was something else entirely. I can imagine. It was fascinating. I mean, we were at the Beverly Hilton, so it's this very storied kind of institution in American pop cultural glitz. Mm. And, you know, to be interviewed, essentially up on the stage, and then all these journalists are in the audience peppering us with questions as we're Mm. launching this film. So that was fascinating to be part of that PBS team with that. And then also to see like the waves of other, each day had its own particular group. So the day before we went on, it was Netflix. And then, right. you know, and there were other channels and yeah. HBO had their day. And so in any case, it was really interesting. But then after that, I also did some other traveling with PBS for the show. And it was just so fun. I mean, one of the places that, I mean, I enjoyed the whole thing, but... One evening, we were at the New York Historical Society. And so it's just, you know, on the right near Central Park. And it was the same kind of format that we had done in other places. But it was just so sweet. First of all, I had friends in the audience who came and saw it. So that was a blast. And then the other thing that was really cool was that after, after we were done, we had some time for questions and there were a group of people who had been stage actors and just folks, you know, who'd been involved in entertainment Mm -hmm. who stayed after. And we sat up on the stage and just talked and talked and talked. And finally a security card said, Hey, (laughs) we got to shut this place down. (laughs) So we got to go. And, you know, then we said our goodbyes, but it was just such a lovely, lovely evening. And I walked back to my hotel, you know, it was about 9.30 at night. It was just such a nice, Mm. great moment of connecting with people. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, I think that that has been the most incredible talk. And I feel like I have learned so much. And I guess also discussing with somebody who's doing what we are starting to do, I think. And there's not much like this at the university, or even in New Zealand. I don't know of much student-led public Mm. research, I guess. And so it's been so cool to discuss with you and and learn from you and all of these incredible things. So thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad that we were able to snag you before you flew back. (laughs) Something that I've been looking forward to since we met a couple of weeks ago. So thank you so incredibly much for joining us. Thank you, Katie, for being here as well. And if you have any questions about anything that we've discussed today or if there's anything else that you would like to know, please definitely click us through a message, send it to us on Facebook. We've got the History Society Facebook. We've got our website, which is brand new. We've done a big (laughs) revamp of it to include the History Society and the research blog and podcast that we're doing. So definitely get in touch. We can flick you through some stuff that Janet has published. We can send you through links, anything that you guys need. Just send us through a message, any questions, we'd love to answer it. So Thank you, and we look forward to hearing from you next time. And thank you! Thank you! (laughs)